Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. If you're visiting this morning, we want you to know that you are a welcome guest and that we're so very delighted that you have chosen to come our way. Uh, we're just happy that you are here with us. We're glad that those of you who are online are with us as well as you are streaming the lesson. It's obvious as you look around the audience this morning that we are a little bit down in attendance. There are several reasons for that. One is, is that this is a Labor Day weekend, and so people are taking those last opportunities to get away for the weekend. Or it could be that we have almost all of our teenagers are up at Ivydale Teen Camp, and they are experiencing some time with themselves and retreating away from the busyness of, of life. So that's where a lot of our teens are. So we're down there a little bit. And also we're down because of the COVID situation that has some of us alarmed. And so that certainly is understandable. But regardless of that, uh, good morning and welcome to our, our services this morning. Let me just re remind the men of our upcoming uh, men's retreat, Unburdened. Scott Kill from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, is going to be with us. Guys, I would encourage you to uh, pre-register by the, uh, I think it's the, the 12th of, or what does that say? Yeah, by the 12th of this month, uh, so that, you know, we can make preparations for all of those, those things. Well, so far we have been talking about our theme, the king and his kingdom. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, sharing with you various things that Jesus shared about the kingdom parables. The kingdom parables are important because it's got Jesus' way of revealing to his followers back then as well as to his followers today some of the spiritual secrets of the kingdom itself and the, the a life of living in the kingdom as citizens. When you talk about those things, they're so important to what life really is about as kingdom followers. We began by talking about several of the secrets. The first secret that we discovered was that of the value of the kingdom, and we looked at two of the parables, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value or great price. And in it, we discovered that there's a secret in the value of the kingdom in that a person would be willing to give everything up to sacrifice all in order to experience the blessings that are in the kingdom itself. And then we saw a secret secret, and that is the foundation of receiving the kingdom. And in that, we looked at the parable of the sower that talks about the word of God or the seed and how it becomes the foundation of what the kingdom is about. And it's foundational for living in the kingdom. God's word and its receptivity of it is so important to us. And then last week, we looked at a third secret. We talked about kingdom growth from the parable of the mustard seed. And in that lesson, we learned an incredible secret about the kingdom, and it's this, that great things happen with, by, by small beginnings. And so Jesus uses this mustard seed, which is the smallest of all the seeds in the garden, and a, and a farmer goes out or a man goes out and he sows this single seed, and it becomes the greatest of all the plants that are inside the uh, garden itself. And that was talking about the fact that, you know, the church may have seemed to, seem to, to start out so small and insignificant with just 12 apostles and, and then 120 disciples. And then on the day of Pentecost, over 3,000 people respond to the gospel message that Peter brought to them and were baptized into Christ. And as you go down to verse 47, it says that the Lord was adding to their number daily those who are being saved. And by the time you get over to Acts, the fourth chapter, in verse 4, the church has grown to 5,000. And from there on, you see a quick, rapid growth of the church. And within two years, the church is really blown up in a lot of ways, in great ways, as the good news of Jesus Christ is being spread, beginning in Jerusalem, and then to Judea, to Samaria, to the remotest parts of the world. And by the time you get to Colossians 1 and verse 23, well, the gospel had gone on into the entire known world. 
And so the church begins very small like a, a mustard seed, but it grows rapidly into this great thing or this great kingdom of which we are a part. This morning, I want to share with you what we would call a fourth secret from the parable found over in Matthew, the 13th chapter, and in verse 33, and it's the parable of the leaven. And the secret of that parable is the kingdom's influence. That it may look as though it is small, but something incredible is going to happen because of it. So Jesus takes a common everyday experience that the people of his time would go through. In fact, it's one that almost everyone goes through in almost the entire world, except for maybe in the United States. All of us are beneficiaries of, say, bread. And yet, in many ways, we as Americans, we kind of take for granted bread. One of the sayings is today, you know, if it's white, it's not right. And so people refuse to eat bread because, you know, of the calories that you take because of it. But in Jesus' day, in much of the known world, bread is a, an, an important part of their diet. In fact, it's a daily staple part of what their diet is about. They depend on bread to live and to be sustained by it. And Jesus, he recognizes this as he shares this parable with us. He recognizes the daily need of this staple uh, bread that is offered uh, on a daily basis. In fact, he talks about it quite a bit. Over in John, the sixth chapter, after he had fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, he says to the multitudes, I am the bread of heaven. They know the importance of, of bread. Or Matthew, the fourth chapter, in verse four, as Jesus comes out of his wilderness time, and being tempted, uh, Satan is going to come to him and tell him that, you know, listen, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said to him, man does not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when he taught his disciples how to pray, he would say, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day bread. So bread was a very important part of that culture and of that time. So listen to the parable as Jesus says it over in Matthew, the 13th chapter. Look at verse 33. It follows up very quickly on the parable of the mustard seed. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of meal until it was all leavened. Three measures of meal. It's almost like it's a, a, a bakery operation that is going on here because you're talking about three measures or three pecks of, of meal or three pecks or measures of flour. We're not talking about a little bit of flour. We're talking about a lot of flour. Depending on who you read, it could be anywhere from 20 to 80 pounds of flour. And it says that she takes a very small portion of leaven and places it within the flour or within the dough itself. And it is able to influence everything else. I think to understand the secret of the kingdom, you have to, I suppose you have to recognize the process of making bread. Well, obviously, just to be, you know, full disclosure, I don't make bread. I eat bread. And so now my wife makes bread. There's guys like Butch Amex and Bill Knoll. They make bread. They understand the process of, of making bread. But for most people, not so much. When it comes to making bread for me, I'm kind of like the... I'm kind of like the guy who was, you know, they're in a conference where couples are being talked to, husband and wives are being talked to, and a speaker is speaking to the, the, the group of men and women there, and he says to them that men are very poor communicators. In fact, he says 85% of all men could not tell you, you know, what uh, kind of flower that a woman loves. 
And this man leans over to his wife and smiles and he says, you like rising flour. Now, guys probably don't laugh very much. The, guy, the women, they all get that because they know what rising flour is. Most of us, you know, as guys, we just don't get it. Well, that's kind of where I am when it comes to this bread stuff. But here's what I did do. I know how to Google things. And so I looked on the Internet how to make bread and what's the process of making bread. And we all know that, you know, the Internet is 100% accurate in all things. And so, you know, so you had to cut me a little bit of slack when it comes down to my culinary experience or expertise in, in making bread. But I think it's reasonably accurate because I passed it by Jared and by Clint, and they said it seems pretty accurate to them. Well, actually, I didn't, but at least I don't want to take all the blame for this thing about bread. So when you talk about the process of bread, here's some things that I do. Number one, I know that there's two types of bread. There is unleavened bread, and there is leavened bread. And there's a big difference, as you can see on the picture behind me. Unleavened bread, of course, is the flat bread. It's a more coarse kind of bread. It's a little bit more stiff, a little bit more harder, a little harder to eat, but has the same nutritional value. And then, of course, you have risen bread, which is light, and it's fluffy, and it, and it seems to taste better simply because of the fact that you're able to eat it in a very easier way. And so most people probably prefer risen leaven kind of bread because of the fact that it is light and fluffy and easier to eat. So how is bread then made? Well, from the process of making bread in our day, you know, they didn't have grocery stores. Today, you know, there are those who kind of like just the freshest of freshly baked bread. For, for the majority, most of it just go down to the grocery store and we buy bread. But back in Jesus' day, in a lot of parts of the world, they don't have grocery stores like that to go buy bread. And so they had to do it the hard way. So they go out and they purchase grain or say wheat. And if they don't have the money to buy wheat, which is the most expensive kind of grain, they would go out and buy barley, which is more of a coarse kind of, of grain. And so they would buy it, and they would grind it up by hand into to flour. And then through the process, they would begin to add some water to it, a little bit of oil to it. My wife says maybe a little bit of salt there in the process of it. And they would begin to work it with their hands to, to knead it, and it would turn into to dough. And if it was just left there and they were to, you know, flatten the stuff out, it, that's how it, you'd end up having flat bread or unleavened bread. But in order for it to rise, you have to introduce an ingredient into it that is going to powerfully influence it and cause it to interact with all the other things that are in the, this dough and cause it to rise. And that's where you get the idea of leaven coming into being. So I was talking to my wife last night about that, and I says, okay, so let's talk a little bit about leaven, and, and it, is leaven and yeast the same thing? Is leaven and yeast the same thing? She says, yeah, they're the same thing. I says, no, they're not. They're not the same thing. You know, that yeast stuff, you know, is, is maybe a little bit kind of a different uh, thing. So I talked to her about this leavening process that I read about, and she goes, oh, that's leaven that has to do with sourdough bread. Sometimes it's called friendship bread. Sometimes it's called monster bread. But it all has to do with this leaven. So what is, is leaven? Well, the way you make leaven is, that I've read, is that you take an, an ounce of, a tablespoon of, of, of water and a tablespoon of flour, and you mix them together. It almost comes like a paste, and you set it aside for four hours. After four hours, you add two tablespoons of water and two tablespoons of of flour to the original batch that you made and you mix it together and stir it together and then you leave it for four to eight hours 
And then you come back and you double that portion. You put four tablespoons of water and four tablespoons of flour and you mix it to that concoction that you have already put together and then you leave it. And you leave it until, for a lack of a better word on my part, it becomes fermented. A bacteria begins to form within it, and that becomes such a powerful influence or ingredient that when you take a very small portion of that leaven and place it inside the flour or the dough, the result of that is, is that it is going to be influenced and it is going to rise. So sometimes when you look at freshly made bread and you cut it, you see bubbles that are within it. That's that stuff going to work. That's that stuff, leaven, influencing the bread. Okay, so back to the parable now. In this parable, he is talking about something very small having a huge influence on something that, by comparison, is quite uh, large. And so when you add the leaven and the dough, you have this powerful reaction that takes place place but understand this when you talk about the parable this is so important jesus is talking about the kingdom's influence he is not talking about bread that's not he's trying to teach them a spiritual truth a secret of the kingdom and so he's talking about the kingdom's influence he's not talking about leaven and and bread per per se not only that he is not saying that the kingdom is like bread the kingdom he said is like leaven so that, what that should tell us is that leaven is something that has an influence on a large measure of bread, which should tell us that when we're talking about the kingdom, we're talking about the kingdom's influence on the world that is around us. And though we live in a huge world around us, 7.8 billion people, 600,000 in the Treasure Valley, when we look at that kind of thing, we may get to thinking to ourselves that we are such an insignificant small lot of people. What kind of impact, what kind of influence can we have on the world around us? And the answer to that is, from what Jesus is saying, is you can have a huge influence on the world when you, as a leavening part of the kingdom, begin to work in the lives of those who are around you. And so when bread is used and it performs as it is functionally supposed to form, then you have bread that, that rises. Now, some bakers say that, you know what, by adding leaven to it, you add, you know, you might change the taste of it. You might change the fiber. I don't think that's true. I'm not a baker. What I do know that the purpose of the leaven is, is not to change the flavor. It's not to cause it to be more, the, the fiber of it. The purpose of the leaven is to cause it to rise, to influence it. So let me share with you some ways that leaven has things in common with the kingdom. And the first one is this, is that the leaven has a purpose, like the kingdom has a purpose in the world. If you take leaven, you know, you take this leaven and you've made this stuff up, and when you use it, you know, you can make sourdough bread, sourdough bre biscuits, sourdough pancakes. But if you don't use the stuff, if it just sets in you know, a wrapping that maybe you have taken and put it inside of, or you put it in a bottle and put it in a cool place or something like that, well, it's not going to have much of an effect, will it? I mean, leaven by itself is of zero use. So leaven left in a container doesn't do anything to the dough if it's left inside the container, which means that the leaven, in order for it to influence the dough, it has to get inside of it in order to react. 
and caused it to do the things that it's supposed to do. So it has to have a contact. So how is that likened to the kingdom? Well, it's the same way when you talk about us as representatives of the kingdom, as Christians living in the kingdom. If we isolate ourselves, if we bottle ourselves up inside of church buildings and not get out outside of ourselves, then we'll have zero impact or influence on the people that we come into contact with. The idea is maybe not to impact the entirety of everything, but to impact one person. And when you just do the idea of just multiplication, if each one of us are doing our jobs and each one of us are going out and making an impact on the world, influencing the world, being leavened, the result is, is that we begin to change the world that is around us in a very positive kind of, of manner. That's the purpose of the church. Jesus just before he goes to heaven, he reminds the disciples what our purpose and what our mission in life really is. Look what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. And sure, uh, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we are to, be, are to go out and we are to do our thing. The church's purpose is not just to gather together for worship. I mean, it's a great thing that we are together to worship, but it goes much beyond these walls. The purpose of the mission of the church is not to come together on Wednesday nights to study the Bible. The whole purpose of those things, which are all great things, is to get us, you know, at least equipped for the idea of possibly going out and making a, an impact or influencing the world that is around us. So the church's purpose is to make disciples. And sometimes we get caught up in things and we forget that. We think that worshiping God is our mission. It's not. Our purpose is, of course, to glorify God. And when we come together like this and we worship God, that is a great thing. We're told to, to do that. We're told to, you know, study the word, to handle it accurately. We're told to do that. And that's why we have Wednesday night Bible studies. That's why we have ladies Bible classes. That's why we have teen studies and, and all those things. But that's not the purpose. That is equipping us for our purpose or for our mission. And that is to make disciples. And we, and we have to make sure that we never forget that. That our job is leading people uh, to Christ, making disciples of, of them. And that's a big challenge. And the big challenge when we think about it is that, okay, well, how do we go about doing that? Because we've heard lessons about this almost the entirety of our Christian walk. And so how do we go about getting the, the mission done? Well, I do know this, that the kingdom does not grow on its own. It just doesn't happen. It's something that Jesus and God intends for us to be busy about. So how can we do that? Well, there are a number of ways to do it, but one of the ways is our spiritual growth lectureship that's coming up here pretty soon do you know we have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in this effort this year because we're using it as a huge part of our evangelistic thrust to our community because we begin to look at our community and ask ourselves what is it that you know about really influenced the community well, they have questions. Questions about what? Well, questions about the existence of God. And so here we're bringing in 10, you know, really good speakers who are very well qualified uh, speakers to speak about the existence of God and to prove that God does exist. So what part do you play in that? The part that you can play in that is that you can take those cards that we have out there that says, save the day and share them with people or leave them and just 
places like restaurants or at the gas station or just wherever, but, but share it. And if you want to do something even easier than that is when it's posted on Facebook, for those of you who are on Facebook, whenever you see it posted on Facebook, share it. Share it with your friends. It can be exponentially got out there simply by sharing. And so we have almost, what, a, a month and some change before this thing is going to happen. And so we can do a ton of sharing and getting that out there. Because if I share with my friends and, and those friends share with those friends, you get the idea how, how fast this can really get out there. So this is a great way to spread the seed. This is a great way to leaven our community. Secondly, beginning in October, Clint and I are going to be sharing uh, lessons, a Bible class on Wednesday night on sharing our faith. And so we're going to be talking about sharing our faith and talking about some of the tools that we can use that will help us to share our faith. And so maybe you might start really thinking very seriously about making sure you attend on Wednesday night as we talk about that all-important thing, and that is the purpose and mission of the church, and that is being a leavening influence on the world that is around us. Here's the second thing that I think leaven has in common with the kingdom, and that is a little leaven goes a long way. Think about our parable. In this parable, it says that a woman, she takes some leaven, probably maybe an ounce worth, maybe less, and she puts it in three measures of flour. I think I've already said this to you, but according to who you read, they say that that three measures of flour can be like 20 to 80 pounds of it. And so if you cut the thing in half and say, well, listen, it's 45 pounds of flour, and she takes a little bit of leaven and places it inside this flour, inside this dough, it has a huge impact. In fact, it says it is able to leaven the whole batch. So by comparison, that leaven is so small, going into something so large, he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about you and me. The same thing is true in terms of our interaction with the world that is around us. I think that sometimes, often, uh, we think that our efforts make very little difference. But I'm here to tell you that they do. Something as small as an act of kindness, something as small as a kind word, a, a well-timed text, or a card that is sent, or a phone call, or a visit. Those may seem to be very small things, but they can have huge impacts. They can, make, they can have an influence, a huge influence on people that are around you. Something just very small. Something as small as inviting someone to come to church with you. That's how I got into church. Well, I went to a, a Bible's literature class. I've told you in the past that was a slough class to me. But there was a guy in that class who said, hey, Richard, why don't you come to church with me? And so I did. And that began my journey and, and my, my search. A little leaven, in other words, can have a tremendous impact on the kingdom of God. Here's a third thing that I think that leaven has in common with the kingdom, and that is results don't come immediately. You'll notice in the parable it says, Jesus didn't say, the kingdom of heaven is like baking soda. That when you add vinegar to it, you have a huge explosion. He doesn't do that. For those of you who probably remember back into your grade school years, you might remember a science project that you had during science class, and they had a science project, and you had to do something that kind of wowed your classmates. Well, I chose a volcano. 
So I made a, a volcano out of, you know, paper, you know, wetted it and made it into a, a cone shape, put the roll of, a, of, a, uh, of uh, maybe tissue and placed it down the middle for a funnel. And then I took and put some baking soda down there, took a little bit of food coloring, a little bit of orange, a little bit of red, tiny bit of black, and put it down in there. And then I used vinegar. And I took that vinegar, and when that vinegar, that acidic kind of thing, hits that baking soda, man, that stuff flowed all out of that place, got all over the place, made a huge mess. But so, but, and so Jesus is saying, listen, it's not going to happen immediately. It's not like baking soda and, and vinegar. The process of leaven going into flour sometimes takes a long time to work usually hours, but the results are long-lasting, and the results are enjoyable to those who love to eat bread, and that's what Jesus is talking about, and he's saying the kingdom, it's not going to be make this, this huge bang that you think it's going to possibly make, and I think some of the, the, the reason why we struggle with that is because of times in which we live. We're used to everything happening fast and immediately around us, don't we? I mean, we live in the age of microwaves and computers. Remember at the very beginning when you had like a 286 or a 386, how long it took for those things to boot up, to get, to get going? And now we buy these new computers a day, and if those things are not up and going within five seconds, we're throwing a fit. Well, it's because we expect everything to happen immediately, and that impatience sometimes flows over into the kingdom work. And into the ministries of the kingdom where we think things have to happen right now. And if they don't happen right now, if we don't have immediate results, then we're not doing it right. And that may not be true. In fact, sometimes the results take a lot longer than we expect for them to take. And sometimes there are going to be results that are out there that maybe you'll never know anything about. It may not happen in your lifetime. But nevertheless, you have been the leaven and you've got it out there. And that's what we're supposed to do. Understand this about the kingdom. The kingdom is, in, in terms of the kingdom, is not, well, we're not responsible for the results. We're responsible for being faithful with what God has put into our hands, who, who has entrusted us with it, to be influencing those around us with the word and with the gospel and with our lives. And the more that we can get out there, the better. The more we spread, the better. It's not up to us, though, to bring the results. That's God's job to bring the results. And I think that's why Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said these words that are up behind me. He said these words. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Sometimes it says who gives the increase. The man who plants, the man who waters, uh, uh, have one purpose. Each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. So our job is to spread the seed. Our job is to be the leavening influence to the world that is around us. And when it's done right, when it's done with good hearts, and it finds good hearts that are receptive to it, God will give the increase, and God will give the growth. We just need to be faithful in doing what God has asked us to do with our lives. Here's a fourth thing that I think that leaven has in common with the kingdom, and that is the kingdom exerts its influence from within, not from without. So think about the leaven. The leaven of dough uh, rises from the within changes that takes place when the substance of leaven 
gets into it and begins to react to it. It doesn't happen from the outside. It happens from the inside. And that's the way God always works in our lives. God always first changes the heart of a person. There is an internal change that, ha that it happens, and then it is seen in the external manifestations of it. By the way we think, by the way we speak, and the things that we speak and, and talk about, our conversations, the things that we do with our lives, the places that we go, the places that we don't go, those things are beginning to be manifested as God changes us from the inside out and makes us the kind of kingdom citizens we need to be. So God always starts with the heart. He's always concerned with what the heart is about. And we were reminded about that when we listened to the thoughts about the Lord's uh, Supper. He, you know, as, he, as, he was, as Steve was talking about our, our giving, he was saying, God is concerned about the heart. What's in our heart? If our heart is right, we know where to lay up our treasures where it's going to be important. So it always begins on the inside of us where it begins the changes from whom we once were to whom we are supposed to be uh, today. So think about that in terms of the home. Think about that in terms of the world. Think about that in terms of the mission, okay? So in the home, when Christians experience a changed life, they change uh, strife to peace, selfishness, to selflessness, harshness, to kindness, uh, from hate to love. We begin to change, and it infects our family or influences our family and extends out beyond there. In the church, we should be, change, uh, should, be, uh, should be a change difference. We change from indifference to zeal, from pessimism to faith, from turmoil to, to peace, from defeat to victory. Things change from the inside. And as Christians, whether we're on the job or whether we are at school or wherever we might find ourselves, we should always be fighting against the changing, you know, evil, uh, uh, evil by uh, changing our dishonesty into integrity, impure speech into wholesome language, immorality into purity. You understand what I'm saying? That's just a really small list there. But we're talking about changing on the inside that changes on the outside and affects. It affects our homes. It affects our, our church family. It influences the world that is around us. So leaven and dough, the gospel influence in a culture works exactly the same way. Christian within our culture, we are what we call agents of change slowly transforming the culture in which we, we live. And so what is our role in changing the climate? People are always worried about climate change. Well, what about the climate change when it has to do with morals and, and values and convictions? When we stay and hold fast to our convictions and our values in our, our morals, then we become a huge leavening influence on the world in which we, we live. And that's really true when you involve it with these two important commandments, and that is to love God and to love people. And when we do that effectively, we can change opinions, we can change attitudes. Uh, we may not be able to change law. Maybe we shouldn't even be trying to change law. And you think, you're thinking to yourself, where did that come from? 
Because that seems to be, that third one seems to be different from the first two that makes a lot of sense. But what do you mean by changing law? Well, here's what I mean. The law, it doesn't have any power to change a heart or a mind. We could pass a law tomorrow. Say Congress got together and they made a, made a law and legislation and said, from now on, we're going to beat every workday with prayer. So how many people do you think would do that? Well, very, very, very few, probably. The law doesn't change people. Hearts are changed. God is able to, to change. And so what has the power to change heart? Christians living kingdom lives in the world in which we find ourselves. So you see behind me these hands that are kneading this dough, working this, this dough here. The kingdom works invisibly. When you talk about the leaven of the kingdom, it looks as though maybe it's not having any effect at all. But when it, the kingdom of heaven begins to become infused in, in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, in my behavior, then God can do something incredible through me and through you. And that's what the parable of leaven is about. The parable of leaven is about influencing the world that we live in. We can't do it all at once, but we can do it by those that we come into contact with. So don't minimize your influence in the world. Dream big. Live big for Jesus. And if you need some strength, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that is the parable of the leaven it's a really small parable it's not very big at all but it has huge implications for the kingdom because it's talking about the secret and the secret of the kingdom is is that small things cause big things to happen and that your small influence can have a huge impact or influence on your world and those that you come into contact with which should say to you is that you can't depend on the kingdom's growth by preachers like myself or ministers like Clint or, or Jared or even on the elders or even on our 14 deacons. The impact of the kingdom happens for all of us, no matter who we are doing our part in the kingdom as a leavening influence. Here's the way it happens. God changes us from the inside out. As you think about your relationship with God, if you're not a Christian, is God speaking to you this morning? It may be just a small thing. But let me encourage you to allow that to grow. And if it's grown that much in you already, and, and now you know how you ought to respond to the gospel, that you need to repent of your sins, to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, why not do that this morning? Or if you're a Christian and you've been thinking to yourself, what kind of impact can I really have? I feel so insignificant. Just remember, that's not the way God sees you. And that's not the way the king of kings sees you. As he speaks to us about the parable of leaven, you can do something amazing with your life. And so the message is yours as well as your response. Together we stand and while we sing, won't you come?